this month's public policy committee for the Charlotte Area Chamber. I'm so glad to have uh, one of my favorite people in the world, Marjorie Molina, uh, District 5 representative elect. You only get to carry that title for a couple more weeks and then it becomes official. So uh, Marjorie and I met a couple months ago. Uh, she told me she wants to run for city council. I said, you've obviously never seen a meeting before because <laughs> um, I don't know why anyone would want to do that. And she said, no, no, I really want to do this. I actually thought about the title before uh, and uh, pitch it in there at different times. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit of uh, why you're crazy or why you want to be on city council. Same exact line. So tell us what you're passionate about city council and what we'll that you in on this work. That's a loaded question. It so is. <laughs> so loaded. Um, wow. Uh, first, thank y'all for coming over in tonight. We are small but mighty. Um, I uh, actually I served on the Economic Development Commission with that lady back there, Carolyn Miller. She is one of the most involved community members I've ever met. Uh, most of the meetings that I go to, she's there all the time. So I'm so happy to see her here. Um, I have lived in Charlotte now for 18 years, and both of those babies were born here. And um, I've been around the you know political landscape for a very long time. Um, so I, I worked on um, I worked on local campaigns, I worked on congressional campaigns, and I worked on the 2016 presidential campaign. So I had a staging location office here in Charlotte. Uh, on Central Avenue. So it wasn't even my district, it was actually District 1 uh, that I was organizing precincts in District 1 and 6 for the presidential campaign. Um, there was some overlap, but they assigned me to those particular uh, precincts in those districts. Um, my my footprints are deep. I've done a lot. Uh, I worked on Anna Adams' campaign, John Altry's campaign, I worked on judicial campaigns. Uh, I was what you call a capital scholar in my undergraduate public policy. So I lived and worked uh, at a number of priest trials for the international nonprofit in Washington, D.C. to capstone my undergraduate degree. But that wasn't a straight out of high school thing. I had a very imperfect journey to get there, a whole bunch of potential, just like most people, you know. Um, it's a staggered journey. Um, parenthood and marriage definitely took precedent over my other choices, and I do not regret that at all. Um, and uh, Outside of that, um, I've always served. So I've served on various boards throughout the community, um, doing everything from economic development to diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, and so those things are what I thought I would translate as a public servant in a seat that makes decisions for our city. And those would be informed decisions because I've lived through a lot of experiences that will allow me to have a full vantage view of some of the um, areas of opportunity, I like to say, in our in our city. They are areas of opportunity. They're not always problems. Some of them are at, at face value problem, but, but if we don't find an opportunity, what are we doing besides complaining, right? So I think essentially every problem is an area of opportunity, and that's the way I like to maintain the vantage point to ensure you know the the focus is an outcome versus just you know unraveling you know in perpetuity a problem yeah that's great so um you got uh involved in uh 
city council and city politics um, back in right around when Don Autry was leading, yeah. right? Yeah. No, no. I worked on his first campaign. His first campaign. Oh, his first campaign. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. When he was first elected, I was actually on his very first campaign. Um, but in 2017, for my myself, um, so in 2016, just to bring it full circle, I had. Uh, I worked for the 2016 presidential campaign. I had a staging location. And then John was elected to the North Carolina House during that time. And so his seat was open on council. Um, and I was asked to consider the vacancy. So we had a, a similar vacancy. We had like over 100 people apply. Mm -hmm. um, in 2017, January 2017 was when the council made the appointment for the opening. Um, and it was literally right after the 2016 presidential campaign. Um, I threw my name in a hat among five other people. There were six of us in total. Um, and they chose Dimple Ashmira as the candidate <coughs> appointment, uh, which I wasn't mad at. You know, I just kind of just kept going, just kept serving in other capacities. But that was the first time that I had been, you know, openly considered for a leadership opportunity in that, in that space. So District 5. We often seem to think about like Albemarle Central in a small little circle, but it's actually a lot larger than that. So tell us a little bit about the boundaries and, and, where, and where District 5 is actually located. Geographically, not only are we big, we're diverse, and we border four districts. So we border District 4 at our northernmost part. Um, at our westernmost part, we border District 1, which everyone knows is kind of uptown. Uh, area and then in our southernmost point we bordered uh, district six, so we kind of split a lot of the con you know constituency um, in that way, which means that we also have diverse people. Um, but district five, oddly enough, we actually bordered Cabarrus County, so we go out past four eighty five uh, to the Cabarrus County line, which is a very rural area of that particular district as well. We don't have lights out there. We don't have, you know, infrastructure out there. We have so many areas of opportunity and, and growth, uh, so much growth potential in our farthest, you know, parts of our community, which is, and, and actually four has some of that too. Uh, four and five both has, you know, they have a whole lot of that developed, undeveloped area, um, but we have a percentage of it in District 5 as well. If I'm not mistaken, I think like almost 50% of the population of that district is on the other side of WT Harris. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So that's just a large piece of that north of that, of that northern section of that district. Mm -hmm. So um no, you know those numbers well. <laughs> you know well. We have talked these numbers so much you got no idea. <laughs> so uh so you start so when you become uh, uh, fully indoctrinated as a <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to let it get me wrong. I'm going to try to hold on to my sanity as long as I can and be a human. Um, man, um, I had about three conversations this morning alone about the UDO. Um, the UDO is a, is a loaded one. Um, and, and whether that happens now on the 22nd or whether that lands in my lap is going to determine what my first term on council is going to be like i'm absolutely certain of it no one has to tell me that i know that for certain so my hope is is that the current council 
that have, you know, the 2040 plan and the UDO, they come to some level of agreement where they can, you know, um, make decisions based on what they've started and I don't kind of have to pick it up and learn about it in a flashpoint, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, position to, to make a decision to vote. Um, my hope is that they resolve that completely on the 22nd, but if they don't, then that's probably going to be one of, one of the higher priority items in my first term of candidacy. Um, we also have Eastland Dorms, which I'm so excited about. Like, that's, I'm like, I'm on cloud nine about Eastland Yards, but we have an area of opportunity here. We have 20 acres um, that are open space now, and so we have to find the right stakeholders for that opportunity to make sure it's something that both the city and the community can, you know, agree on. Um, so I'm sure that will also be a very important conversation that I'll be taking on in my first term. Um, there's one conversation that I've already been participating in as just a regular constituent, and that is the uh, the workers that were working at the Eastman Mall uh, property. So we had um, uh, a flea market that took place for many years on the Eastman Mall property, and those workers were displaced due to the construction. Of course, you know, I've been made aware of some of the circumstances uh, that they did know, but now they don't have a place to work. So there are community members in, you know, our community and beyond that would like to see a resolution to that. And so I've talked to a few of them to see what that looks like, um, how we can be effective as, you know, a city, a governing body to seek a solution that works for both parties. Um, making sure that we have the requirements met so that um, so that we can resolve that issue once and for all because it's kind of been hanging in the balance. Those are the top three that I can think of among mm -hmm. many, right? But yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, UDO, Eastland, and then uh, future growth along that along that quarter is going to be uh, it's going to be interesting uh, as it goes in. It's a quarter of opportunity, so you know we we also have a lens from the city's perspective on growing that area as well. Yeah, and uh, and the great silver line debate is coming before us at some point. People are going to actually look at that map and realize, oh, that may run through my house, and yes. have to figure out some <laughs> of the messages once they got it. They're doing a deeper dive. Yeah. That. Um, but there's a lot of uh, lot of excitement and uh, an opportunity out there uh, with it. So, um, what's what's the biggest need you see your district kind of facing right now as you go into uh, this early part from just the campaigning piece into the, the governance piece? You know, as long as I've lived in Charlotte, I myself found it hard to get a job, and I'm extremely educated. I got a lot of certifications, um, and I found it hard to. And if I found it hard to get a job, and as I talk to constituents, I see it's hard for them to get a job too. And so for me, that's primary. I feel like you can't afford nothing if you can't go to work. You know, and, and so what you work and what you you know do for a living, or what you do for work and how much you earn, that's that's a, that's important. And I feel like housing um, and and wages are inextricable. We say affordable housing, but affordable to what? Like affordable to who? What I mean, affordability is relative, right? So 
the relativity of affordability. I mean, you know, we will always have a spectrum of earnings, right? But, you know, how can we empower people so that they have a living wage opportunity so that they can afford something? Um, I, I like to start there. I like, you know, not to say that housing affordability is not important to me. It is. But if we don't get people to work, what are they affording? You know, so I just, for me, primary, you know, if I had to choose one other, you know, one of the two, I would say, I need to get you to work. And I need to see what opportunities we can provide at the city entity and even partnering with our private sector to get people in living wage jobs, you know. Um, and for East Charlotte, we don't have a lot of that. A lot of the development that we've seen come to our city, like I watch council meetings, and you see the zoning meetings on, on, on Mondays, they never call five. They don't call us. They don't, uh, I feel left out, right? Like, y'all gonna call five. Mm -hmm. So how do you change <laughs> <laughs> How do you change that? Well, you know, the one thing my grandma used to say, you know, my mama's side, is you gotta be careful what you ask for. Because sometimes when you ask for people to come develop, you get other issues that people don't want to deal with too, right? So inevitably, as we attract people who want to come and develop in our area, we're going to have people being displaced because we've become more attractive then to people to want to come and build. Uh, right now, we're kind of under the radar. We deal with it, but not in the same way as other communities are right now. But as we develop, we'll have to then control another metric, which is keeping people in place that want to actually stay in East Charlotte because then inevitably now we have another problem. Um, do you want that problem? Yeah, we want people to come to East Charlotte. We want people to know that we are a great place for them to, you know, establish a business and provide jobs, living wage jobs for our community members, absolutely. Um, but then also on the other end, we need people like Greg and Carolyn at the table Greg and Charlotte, Charlotte East is one of the most instrumental. They were very instrumental in the um, the Eastman Mall project for many, many years. They, you know, led that opportunity. They were a leading voice, you know, in that development project. And and Carolyn, oh my God, like, you know, for the same reason. I mean, it's just, you know, the community members coming forward and and, and speaking to what's happening in their particular communities. You know, say we got say people in the communities that we represent. Uh, that are saying they can or can't, you know, afford this or that, then that's another conversation that's kind of parallel to development. So one of the things that I love with interacting with Marjorie uh, since I've known her is that uh, she doesn't come in as the expert in the room. Uh, often she comes in as uh, she realizes uh, the one mouth, two ears uh, piece. And so I've always loved the fact that you're interested more about gathering information than sharing your information. Um, so I kind of think it's an opportunity to open you guys up, if you guys have any questions, kind of have more of a discussion piece. Um, if not, I can do it questions all night. But, um, <laughs> uh, but more of a discussion piece, uh, kind of understanding a little bit that you're learning this job as you go into it, so you're not an expert, you're not a UDO expert yet, right? So Toby can't ask all your questions, uh, but kind of understanding a little bit of where people are coming from and, and as you're uh, kind of going through that. So if anyone has anything or a topic or throw it up, this is where I stop talking. <laughs> you know, you talk about not changing the economic development 
you don't want a big boom because it'll displace people and stuff like that. So what about transportation out for those people? How is it in your area? Can it be better? Does it need to look different? And then, you know, lately in the in the news, ridership has been down. So even if you say, okay, we're going to change transportation, does that keep ridership up? You know, right. if you want to talk about that a little bit. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a great point. Um, you know, uh, East Charlotte, we actually have some of the highest percentages of public transportation ridership. So public transportation for East Charlotteans is it's very important. Um, the, the issue with cats, though, is a, it's not a new issue. It's not. It sucks. Um, and, and I, you know, uh, I, I can't pinpoint and say it's a person, place, or thing. It's a noun. Like, I'm just um, at a loss. But I think we start with cats. See, in my opinion, you know, I, I'm trained in project management. So anytime you set a project in motion, most of the time what we're talking about are long-term infrastructure projects. And we have a, uh, a public with a, an immediate need, right? And so it's not that I don't want to tackle the fact that we have issues with our long-term infrastructures, um, but the fact that we have people living in Charlotte every single day who need to get to work right now. What can I deliver on right now is the most interesting point for me. Um, in addition to that, I'd like to have those long-term infrastructure project conversations, but my kids will probably make me grandparents before I see a silver line. I mean, you know, realistically speaking. And so when we have those conversations, I think it's important to set the precedent on expectation. What are we now expecting as we have those conversations? If this council is the council that votes on something that moves forward, with that perspective in mind, then we need to then make sure that the public and the constituency understands that this is a long-term infrastructure project. But let me talk about items that we can look at right now that can make sure that you still can get to work. You know, that make sure that if you're standing at the bus stop, the bus comes and picks you up and you're not losing your job. And so I'd, I'd like to tackle those too. You know, I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer in um, those small steps to get to where we want to go. And I know, I, 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 it's a little secrets on me. My kids can tell you, I haven't owned a microwave in over 10 years. I don't have a microwave in my house. Uh, we cook everything, the toaster oven is stove top, don't we go? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're not excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they go to other people's houses. But there's a level of patience that I think we learn when we have to take something, prepare it to warm, you know, and then be patient enough to wait because we just pop it in the microwave and done in like a minute. You can do everything. You can. You, I've seen somebody cook an egg. I thought it was. I, I was. I was baffled. I was like, "Wow, good egg!" <laughs> I'm laughing, but I'm like, you know, all the things you can do in like 30 seconds and take me like 10, 15 minutes. I'm like, you know, I'm like, wow, shock. But at the same time, we all know life just doesn't work that way. We really have to take those incremental steps and set the expectation that, yes, we all live here, right? We all live here. We all want this place to be better. Like, you don't arbitrarily, like, become some bad person who want to, like, keep everybody down now that you're elected. You probably have gone through the exact same thing that the people who are talking to you have gone through. And now you can give a voice to it. 
And that's the way I'd like to be seen, as somebody who, that's why I keep saying I've been here for 20 years. I'm raising children here. You know, I've, I've, I've gotten my education from start to finish here. You know, I've done some of the, I've struggled to get a job. I've had to drive on the streets. I've had to do all of these different things. And so that's what I am for you now. I'm a person who now has a seat at the table who can also speak to those things. And, you know, I can actually provide the lens and say, you know, some of it's right now. And some of the things that we want to see happen are going to take time. They just are, and that's a really hard, you know, answer to give to some people because they're like, oh, well, we've been kicking the bucket down the road for this long. And I'm like, well, I can't kick it any faster. Like, I, you know, infrastructure is what it is, and we want it to be done right, right? So we can't take it from zero to 60 just to bring a smile on our this, this place is a perfect example of exactly what I'm talking about. So um, I guess the, the innovation barn, um, and I mean, I know Amy can speak to this in depth, but, you know, seeing this opportunity you know, do we start a project and then every key milestone decide that now we want to re-baseline? If you re-baseline, even if you don't even have the same project anymore, you've scrapped the project, you've scrapped all of the money associated with it, you've scrapped all of the additional milestones, and then, so every time that you say you want to, you know, scrap, that's not how projects work. Once you establish a baseline and allocate money and time and you give incremental, you know, milestones to it, then we're supposed to be committed to it and we control it at key milestones, right? So those milestones are meant to monitor and control the time and the money. That's what we're supposed to be doing. But in government, it's actually counterintuitive, to, uh, counterintuitive often to project management. So the two don't work in tandem because then if the public is not adept at what the project was that was set in motion prior to that particular administration, now you got people complaining about a project that was set in motion prior to this administration. And now they're like, oh, we hate it. We want to get rid of it. And you're like, wait a minute, you've already allocated $20 million to $15 million to this thing. Oh, I hate it. Okay, so we scrapped it. We're, a key milestone's coming up here. Let's revisit it. Let's look at the time. Let's look at the budget. Let's monitor and control the project. But we don't have to scrap it, do we? You know, so that's what I'm saying. I think somehow what I'd like to see us do as a, as a community, even, like, we can't train everybody in project management. Right? We can't give everybody opinions. We can't. Um, but we need to kind of find some times where we can kind of lay that structure down to make there be a clear, a clear understanding of you know short-term projects that are short-term infrastructure projects, long-term infrastructure projects, and how they're monitoring and monitoring and control based on you know their time and budget constraints, um, and, and how we deal with them as a local governing body as well. We don't do that based on we can't, you know. I build my house and I'm like, you know what? I don't want to borrow the money from the bank. I hire the contractors. I have the general contractor, the subcontractor. I set up the utilities. And then I'm like, I get halfway through the instructions going up. And I'm like, I don't like this house. <laughs> this house sucks. Like, I just, you know, I want to build a new house. And I'm going to go back to the bank and I'm going to say, bank, I, I don't like that house. I just, I ain't feeling it. You see what I'm saying? It's it's kind of the same ideology in my mind when I see something. So what I'd like to do is see us as a community develop an appetite and understanding for what it means for the short-term ideas and the long-term ideas and how we can differentiate so that we can, you know, um, 
try to omit some of the disappointment that if people understood it better, they probably wouldn't be upset. Excellent. So um, going back to when we were talking about what the wage is um, and people working, and I don't necessarily think there's a job shortage. I think there's a lack of motivation to go to work for companies that don't support their mental health, their physical health, their financial stability. Um, what do you think outside of giving them better pay? Obviously, they need better health insurance. You know, they need time off. Maybe need funding for schools. You need your awards because that is well, perfect. I'm already there. I'm already there. <laughs> I did. I ran for Senate in South Carolina, a small one, but okay, I've been in politics for a while too. Okay. So I just moved here. So I'm okay. here to hang okay. out and watch. Okay. Um, but it is things like that, right? It's not just the money. It is their mental health. It is their physical. Nobody cares when you know your your grandma's sick, right? Right. That's your grandma. Yeah. You know, nobody cares if you know you miss a day. You gotta have a doctor. I'm I'm sick. I, I need to have a doctor. No, come on, give me a break. All right. Um. So again, it's just like the money. Yes, is very important. But making sure people's mind, body, and spirit is taken care of is very important for me. At least moving forward. So, what ways do you think that we can start integrating things like that? Can we talk to health insurance companies and see if they can offset some of the, you know, how expensive it can be. Can we uh, give more funding to businesses to help support their opportunity to give their employees insurance, to give them time off? Like, what do you think about things like that? I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I can't tell you the amount of struggles I've had as a mother, you know? Um, and I'm a single mother. You know, so it's just me and me and them. We're team us, mm-hmm. um, and and the average, you know, job. You know, you, you, if it's not a good job, you can't call and be like, I'm having a personal issue with one of my kids or a parent or whatever. It's just not conducive for that. Um, so it, it's funny because I I talk about this a lot. Um, right now we have. On this journey, and if you've run for office, you know this, you talk to different sets of people, and they seem to have different objectives, but they don't. Because the people who leave the private sector, they live there too, right? So, you know, I've always said that, you know, if someone is in poverty, then that translates to crime, and that crime, even if you live in a nice neighborhood, may, you know, translate to crime in a very nice neighborhood. So we all still hold the ball, no matter where we hold it or how we hold it. Inevitably, it still becomes our problem because we are Charlotte. We are a community. Mm-hmm. We are one unit. And I, that sounds so cliche, but it is the truth. And so getting people to buy into that idea. So what do I mean when I say that? Expanding that thought, what I mean is that the private sector is not our enemy. You know, not even the development People who provide jobs are not our enemies. The problem is they're not at the table with us. We're sitting at different tables in different rooms, and this group, we're talking amongst ourselves, and that group, they're talking amongst themselves. And so I feel like the objective then is to, you know, find a way, and it may be incremental, where the people who provide the jobs are able to, you know, congregate with the people who need the jobs. You know, and, and in my particular uh, description right now, as you know, a policymaker, I would like to see opportunities fostered where you know 
uh, job creation and the private sector work together. It means nothing if you go get certified and you can't get hired, right? And then getting hired is then another uh, step to say, where I get hired, they care about my mind, body, and soul, my spirit, so that I get this job and I can keep this job. So, but I feel like inextricably, that means that the people who create the jobs and the people who need the jobs, somehow there needs to be a translation in, in what that means. So maybe creating like um, a business liaison. I love that. That can go around to local businesses and talk to them and get ideas or start hosting events with these businesses and local community members. And I'm taking a step further because again, taking into consideration what I'm gonna do, like I think something similar but it's not necessarily geared toward, we have something called Job Charlotte that I just saw that's like a year old. I'm very excited about it. I'd like to see more public-private partnership because even if we invest in our community and say we want to provide funds to train our community, we need people there to hire our residents. Um, and so that requires a partnership. Um, and that says, and in that partnership, we can have conversations. What does that look like? What type of work environment do you intend to foster for these people who are training? You know, maybe you participate in what that training looks like. You know, but when you got people committed to go to work, and you got people who are committed to changing their own circumstances, and to me, there is nothing more powerful in this world. There is nothing that I can give to another human that if they have not committed to it themselves, that they can only maintain. So again, I come back to the same premise that, you know, from my perspective, it, everywhere that I see that I'm able to, I would love for public and private partnerships, public and private communities, the job creators, and us, the entity that is the governing body, to look at how we can, you know, train and hire people. Because I've been a person with training in my hand and not been able to get a job. And then I'm taking a job that was way, I'm, way overqualified for just to have a job, and I hated it, right? But I gotta pay bills, I got kids, I got, you know? And so I, I know what that's like, you know? And I'm pretty sure many of us in various places in our life probably know what that's like. So that's a great question, a, a wonderful takeaway. I love your idea, and I love ideas, because, you know, I just, that's how we change, and it works great. If it don't, we scrap and we try something new, but that's how we do it. How do you see, you know, I am the CEO for a lot of creativity, <laughs> um, but being an HRT, I've seen how our government works. How do you see building a relationship as far as bringing the county in, and more importantly, CMS? Because when the city decides something, school board, CMS, and county are like, well, we just got brought in five minutes ago. But you're expecting to sign off. And then CMS is like, well, we did, this is for career interest. So, again, mental health and that sort of thing. But when you have kids, if they don't be a kid, they can't walk out the door of their home and see there's opportunity here somehow. And if they're, and East Charlotte has the most Title I schools in all Charlotte. We do. And how do you expect children? To become, I mean, just by the luck of the draw, they end up being able to go, oh, there is something more out here. But it's our responsibility 
And it says responsible to the city council, city staff, county commission, county staff, CMS board, and CMS to come together. And if they can all, if y'all can find somewhere to work things out, then I think we could get more businesses to get on board going, hey, they're working together. I'm not gonna spend my wheels going to this government, this government, this government trying to figure things out. And I think that would be greatly beneficial for East Charlotte. So do you see being able, what you know so far, a path to bring that more of a relationship with city council, county commission, CMS that actually are sitting down and going, if we want to do yeah, we want the 2040 plan, 2040 plan is a wonderful vision. But if you're not bringing the county in and you're not bringing CMS in, we're already at a bit older in my opinion. So just curious about if you see a way of bringing those city council members down layers to understand we really we can't make an excuse anymore. No CMS doesn't want to bring in the county. We've got to come together. I I think that's a wonderful perspective. Um, and you as a native, you've seen it normally, so you're absolutely right. Um, and so from the outside looking in, I'm not in the seat yet, um, but from the outside looking in, um, I know we have an intergovernmental relations team. I don't know how that works, but I'd like to see exactly what you say too, right? So one of the things- Not very inner. Mm -hmm. Honestly, yeah, it's yeah, very yeah. outer. Yeah, it, it doesn't, <laughs> they don't work inside yeah, the building. They seem totally divergent, right? There's, there's this divergent, you know, mission, it feels sometimes, um, where, any, you know, it's funny, we talk housing infrastructure and we talk homelessness, and then you have to tell somebody, okay, this is where I drop off, this is where Mecklenburg County begins, which inevitably would seem that we have kind of some kind of segue into the purpose for us, too. but. You know, um, I'd love to see that. Um, for us, I'm already in communication with our county commissioner. Uh, Mark Jarrell is somebody who I've known for about 12 or 13 years. Um, he is an avid community servant. He loves our community. And I told Mark, for our community in particular, I want to work together as much as I possibly can. I've already asked him. I've asked our staff. I've already gone to you know, our city, our community members um, led our constituent relations um, manager. And I, I told her, I was like, how can I work with my county representative counterpart? I would like to, for our particular districts, be in a position where, you know, our constituency has both of us standing there and even Carol, if she wants to participate. That way, at minimum, even if we don't change the system, we change, we, we have it where y'all have access to us. And if you're saying something, all of us hear you at the same time. And us knowing what our deliverables are, then we can decide amongst ourselves even how we can execute for our district. Um, I commit that to you because I've already started it. Um, I don't know if the entire process can or will change. I can't promise you that. But I can promise you that for us, I've already started. Yeah. Let, me, let me ask you this, Marjorie. First of all, this is a new thing. So, when did you guys what, officially open? Um, September last year. Okay. Almost May. And the city just tries to get a little bit of extra new series, right? Uh, May 1st. 
was that? The diversion of funds? No, what they did, we asked for additional funding to build out the other path, uh -huh. um, which they were going to do at the beginning, right on the money. So they did advanced planning for that, and they're here, they're going to both earmark funds for that side, but they are not committing that side of the mission. Okay. And the reason I asked that, this is the question for you, Marjorie, but you know, this is a gorgeous space. We're sitting in District 1 having a conversation about District 5. Mm -hmm. And recently, that, what was the name of that plot of land? Across from Eastland, there was a plot of land that was sitting here forever, earmarked funds, ended up fixing. What's the name of the city? It's supposed to be IT, the city. Oh, the IT, that IT yeah. funds that. And that's why I said that, right? Yeah. So yeah. we're having a conversation about District 5 in a space that the city moved earmarked funds to District 1 for. And I guess which is fine, but the reason I say this, how do we build a space like this in, in District 5? How do we get folks energizing in this awesome stuff that's going on in our neck of the woods? Or where would you even envision it? I'm not trying to like put you on the spot like that, but as a community member, right? I'm thinking collectively together, how can we create something like this? Well, so I, I and, and I think it's a great question. I think um, you know. Population really determines a lot of what happens in a district. Uh, population utilization determines a lot of what happens in a district. If we have this in District 5, who would come based on our population and what the utilization speaks to? And so, again, for an infrastructure project, and you're very intelligent, you know, there's an amount of quantitative data that we would need to execute on that project. Um, although this, in, 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 you know, in concept, look like something that's ready to make it. I love it. I've been here so many times. It's awesome. But in concept, if we had it, what would be the utilization? And and we don't know that because East Charlotte is so new that we still have so much to do, right? We Like I said, we listen to the meetings and they're not calling our number, right? So they're not building the infrastructure over there. But then I, maybe there's an assumption. I'm, I'm only guessing along with you right now to say, you know, you think about what the demographics in our particular district say. We are one of the most diverse, you know, districts in the city of Charlotte. So would this be conducive for that? Or maybe we put a twist on it if we had it. What would it look like? Maybe it wouldn't be innovation bar. Maybe it would be something that speaks to, you know, the composition of what we are as East Charlotteans. We are the most diverse. We have some of the highest percentages of entrepreneurship, actually. We are, we're not a, a working community. You know, on its feet, as far as the numbers, the quantitative data say that we are entrepreneurs in East Charlotte. Um, so maybe we need a workspace, not the same as this, but something that's a little bit more adaptive to what that looks like. It's not to say that it can't happen, it's just I think we don't need to think of it in the same framework. I think we need to design it for what East Charlotte is. If we, like, if we dated the idea, as something that we would like to see come to our community, then we have to date the idea with us in mind and what we are and who we are by composition. And so in composition, we're diverse, we're entrepreneurs, we're innovators, but we also have a lot of infrastructure gaps. You know, we, we have infrastructure gaps even getting people over there. People, <laughs> city buses is gonna run on time and, you know, get, you know I, I, I've been in some of the work, not, I love Charlotte. Right? I like us the way that we are, you know, and I'd like to see us grow, right? Um, but, you know, I said all that to say that we, I don't think that we've shown the 
them get what we're capable of. But they will know as we step forward and we show them who we are. You haven't, you can't ignore talent for too long. Trust me, I've been ignored. I've had a million no's for a whole lot of stuff. So, you know, some people look at me like I'm random, I'd be like, I've been here doing all kinds of stuff. Like, I just, you know, but anyway. <laughs> um, I, we have to adapt it, I believe, to. So that's not a no. no maybe it's more of a not yet. And maybe it's more of a looking at what East Charlotte is and who we are in composition and what that means. And then what would be the utilization? How would that utilization look like? What, you know, um, data could we match to it to make it make sense? Because those are the things that we have to ask ourselves. And, and then also I'd like to see us look. I, I, I know we've been ignored. I'm really going to give you GDP. But when, when we see the infrastructure projects going to other places, then the you know, concurrent infrastructure follows it. You know, so when it's coming to District 1, then the concurrent infrastructure follows it there, right? And so that means that they also can provide utilization from that. That means that they have the data that supports putting this type of infrastructure in place and there being a return on it. We don't yet have that. So how do we establish that? I think we have to start at a lower incremental base and understand that we first, we, you know, we gotta show people who we are. And we're doing that. I think we're doing a great job. I think so far, anyway, it's not us. Can I throw something in? Yeah. So this building, we, um, so Envision does sustainability projects for the city, not just for district one. This building, they just happen to have empty, and the consultant said, we need a ground zero for the circular economy. But the long-term idea is that we would incubate different business plans here. Are you here, here for the table? Yes. Well, come on. Sorry, I'm But anyway, so the idea would be to start businesses here and incubate them, and we grow them and move them out to the community. So one of the projects that we're talking about, so I'm just going to go ahead and sprinkle this in right now since we've got district rep up here, and you're talking about County City. So the county has a huge problem with glass. Um, they don't want it in your curbside bend because it breaks, it hurts their workers, it falls out of their sorting equipment or recycling. So if you notice there's a big bin out here that has glass. One of the things that we're incubating here is can we crush that glass, turn it into sand, use it as an aggregate in concrete, and start a business? Because right now they have to ship all that glass to Atlanta. So that's a business that once we write the business plan, figure out the funds, then we hope that the city can kind of step in, work with the county, it's a great city county project, and maybe that's a project that goes into your district that creates jobs, you can put you know infrastructure around, you can make it even a gathering place. But that is the idea of this place, is to expand to every district, but bring sustainability projects and solutions that we find here out. So I throw out class. No, that's not the place, and I love that. Oh, so, and he's a rock star. I, I really, I like that. her. She's actually mine. She's my soulmate. Uh, yeah, she is. Um, but we, you know, in, in, in all things, you know, uh, sustainability, infrastructure, you know, um, as far as the innovation part, she's, she's the go-to. Like, um, but I, I think ideas like that are what make us the graces, hands down. 
as long as we can develop the appetite and the patience to see something like that through and the potential for it, that to me it's no brainer. I mean, hands down, how can we put people to work and be, you know, innovative? You know, we don't need to be the second or the third to do it. If we have this first opportunity, then we have to then create the threat. We, we're doing it in the fintech world already. Um, so, you know, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was just uh, you know, No, but that's good, like, you know, and I, you know, um, actually, I have my cousin here. She's a, she's a middle school teacher cool. as well, um, and I think teaching is the Lord's work. <laughs> it's, it's something. It is. It's, 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 it's a lot of, you know, it, you appreciate you. I think, you know, yeah. So, last question. And I'm hoping I can ask one that's too hard to answer. So let's see if we can do a tough one out there. Um, you have, uh, you got to do the math, like only like 18 months or like, is it less than that? Like 10. You'll, 10 that you'll actually be elected. Um, so, um, uh, committee, haven't been appointed yet, no. but what is your hope? I know the mayor is a big fan of the podcast, which was and maybe she'll hear you what, what you want, but um, so if you got any hopes or what where you would like to kind of follow in committee wise? I thought economic development, you know, that's a very popular one though. I've heard that everyone wants to be on that committee. So it's like, do I I'm already on the economic development commission uh, with Carolyn here. So um, I don't know if that will translate to me being a part of the economic development committee. Um, but I was hoping that would be there. Um, we had, and now we have kind of a hybrid uh, sustainability committee. I would love to participate. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was like, why isn't that first? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, yeah. Um, you know, but I, I don't know because I know that they rearranged the committees, you know, on, on different terms. So I don't know what that will look like, but I would love to see an appointment to an area of sustainability. Um, and I don't know about the third yet. I don't know, because we had it minimum two, but I've heard that sometimes we have three. Um, so I, those two are the two that I hope to learn again. Awesome. Well, do you have the buzz off real quick? No, I'm good. Are you? All right. Well, cool. Well, we're going to hang out and maybe uh, chat a little bit and uh, walk over to report and uh, get a beverage uh, for those of us.